Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good afternoon, this is Barb Regis, Ask the PA, and this is Best of Health Radio. I am super, super excited about today because, as you know, I say that I'm a patient advocate, but I have just met the turbocharged patient advocate of greatness. So what I'm going to do is introduce you to Melissa Cardine. She is from the Bridge RN Patient Advocates. And Melissa, welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Barb. Well, as Barb said, um, I work with the Bridge RN Patient Advocates and I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for over 20 years here in the Valley. Um, pretty much grew up in Arizona and um, currently practicing independent patient um, advocacy. So tell us what you mean exactly by patient advocacy. So, well, Barb, you know, as a PA, right, all medical professionals are patient advocates. You know, that's, exactly. that's our duty, right? Exactly right. So I practice a little bit differently to the next level is I practice independent mm-hmm. patient advocacy. So what that means is clients and families, they work with me privately to help them really support them in the process of managing their health care. So I'm just curious, how did you decide that you wanted to launch this particular business? Well, <laughs> sort of a long story. How <laughs> well, much time do we, we have? We have time. You know, Barb, it probably started early on in, in my nursing career. I was always that nurse asking questions. I really wanted to understand awesome. what was going on. Right. So I probably bothered, you know, my nursing supervisors and the physicians because I was like, I don't understand this. I want to understand this. Can you tell me more? Right. You know, and the other thing was, is that I wanted to sit and listen. See, and that's a unique trait today. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things uh, it's really interesting is your background's in hospital and mine's more in primary care outpatient. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I guess some people would say for me that I preach about is the fact that nobody's listening. And it's really, really sad because it's that one little clue that could change things, turn it around for patients. And the fact that you recognize that and you said, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. And so that really excites me. Tell me, like, how was it that, you? okay, you're listening to all this and you're realizing that you need to do something. Mm -hmm. The system's broken. What was it that was the factor that you said, okay, enough already. I need to go and start working on my project to fix this problem. Honestly, it was just like an epiphany. I just had a message that I was going to work and I just saw so many people making decisions that they, they really didn't even know what they were deciding on. Right. You know, we do the best we can as healthcare providers to inform our patients but a part of this is also on the patient. Right. They weren't asking questions. They weren't telling the providers really what was going on. And you know why, right? Because 
first of all, in my, you know, my impression is that sometimes they just don't want to tell us the whole story because they're afraid of the repercussions of that. Still, mm-hmm. there's that God complex about, I don't want to disappoint my doctor. I don't want to, you know, bother them too much. I only have one thing I'm allowed to talk about today. And, and so can you talk about that? Like how you were able to like in the hospital setting, get people to actually open up to you and say, Hey, I want to talk more to you specifically mm-hmm. about my problems. So that really comes down to one, I think, you know, being a nurse helps. Mm-hmm. We are the most trusted profession. You know, for some reason, patients cling to us. Right. You know, they want to tell, they really want to tell someone. And a lot of it comes down to my personality. Right. Exactly. It was just really going in, meeting them where they're at. Right. You know, and getting down to their level and just taking my time, listening to them. You know, and then the next thing you know, they're sharing bits of information that I know are vital right. for the physicians and the other healthcare practitioners to know. And so I was that, that's the nurse I was. So then I would go out and I'd be telling everybody, Dr. So-and-so, this might help you. You need to know this before did you, you know, take them into you know? surgery. <laughs> yeah. Did you know? Did, did you, you know? Exactly. And they're like, oh my gosh, Melissa, this totally helps. That is, you know, that's so exciting to me because I think there's a lot of us out there that want to make a difference, but we feel so frustrated because, frankly, we feel like the system's broke. And it's really um, sad times in healthcare. Like healthcare is supposed to be getting easier and better with electronic medical record and with better communication. But is it really helping? What do you think? You know, I'm very positive, optimistic. (laughs) So uh, from my view, especially what I'm doing Mm -hmm. is that I tell my clients, not only am I working for you, I'm actually working for the practitioners too. Exactly. Because I know what you need. Like I know what you need as a PA. I know what you need as a nurse practitioner, as a physician, as a surgeon. And I'm bringing that information to you or letting my clients bring that information to you. You know, saying this is something important. So I'm seeing that a little bit, you know, and that's why, honestly, I'm here today is for all of us, for practitioners, too, to have hope that we could change this. Exactly. And that's the thing about, I think, uh, training is getting back to the first thing is just learning how to commute with, communicate with a patient, mm-hmm. say hi, gain their trust, connect with them. Uh, it's OK to hug. It's OK to joke around a little bit, figure out what it is that, and I hate to use the word profiling, but what you can do to finally reach them that they're going to actually tell you the whole story so that we can actually impact people's lives. And what you're doing is you're doing that like one patient at a time. Whereas with me, I get, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes with the patients. And I try to like, okay, when you get your explanation about it, think about that. When you go to your specialist, think about that, 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 you know, and try to give them like, checklist really quickly on what to do and how to like navigate through this really confusing system. But you actually broke out of it and said, one patient, one family at a time, I'm going to make a difference. And I think that is amazing. And I wish there was a million of you out there because I think healthcare would just be so, so overly, it would be so exciting because I think outcomes would be better. And I think actually the system would save a lot of money. Do you feel comfortable telling us about a story that excites you? Oh, gosh, I have a lot of stories. <laughs> Go for it. I mean, I could even just use just simple, simple examples of, 
you know, when you're faced, you go to the doctor and, you know, they tell you like, hey, you know, you're you now got high blood pressure. I mean, you probably face this all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to be engaged. Right. You know, and so I teach my clients like you have to ask questions like, can you tell me more? We take advantage. We think everybody knows what high blood pressure is and what it means. Right. Exactly. And they that's, don't. <laughs> you have to go to a baseline and figure that out. Either you've got the Dr. Google working with mm -hmm. you or you've got somebody who's like, I don't even understand what a normal blood pressure is. Can you explain that to me? And what the effects of not controlling the blood pressure can do to, to somebody, you know, lead to, you know, heart attacks right. and strokes and everything like that. So it's like all of these different, you know, scenarios, I can see where advocacy comes into place. And as a little guy, you know, in, in a practice trying to advocate and, you know, and navigate my patients to get better experiences with their providers, I just love the fact that you are actually finding patients. How do they find you? So fortunately, Barb, now it's a lot of word of mouth. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, what ends up happening is like, Somebody's telling a story, they're sharing a story about their medical experience or what mm -hmm. their mom's going through. And, you know, either somebody who's worked with me or heard of me, they're like, you know what? You should call Melissa. I think she can help you. Are you going to call? And, I mean, Melissa? really? And it's like they don't and they'll call and they're like, right. I don't even know why I'm calling. But, um, you know, my friend told me I should call you. Right. And that's what I do is I say, just call. Right. And we talk and I listen, you know, what's going on. And no matter what, you know, they they leave with knowing more information than they did before they would call. A lot of times that's all they needed was just somebody to sort of get them on track. Right. Um, so fortunately, that is how right now I get the majority of my referrals is just word of mouth. That's great. And the fact that you're not only helping uh, patients, but you're helping all their families and you're talking about it, it could be anything for a child who may have gotten mm -hmm. a new diagnosis of maybe I hate to use the word cancer yeah. to like an elderly person who may be transitioning from an independent living right. to assisted living. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at your client base, it amazes me <laughs> as to all the different people that need your services. And as you know, uh, in the last few months of my life, it's been very, very, very taxi as mm -hmm. far as me trying to advocate not only for myself with my diagnosis, but also my parents. And most recently now doing a little advocating for a family member who recently died. And it's amazing how there's such disconnects and people are afraid. Isn't it, isn't it funny how you go to the doctor's office and it's like, okay, I have five minutes and I'll only address one, one of your problems. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, for advocates like, like you and me who, you know, aspires to be like, like you, you know, it's kind of like, show me your list. Tell mm -hmm. me about your list. And why, why as advocates do we like lists? Ms. I have lists of Melissa. everything and my clients get sent lists and they have lists of to do. But honestly, that's, that's essential because right. it's, it's a plan. That's what I call it. I right. mean, in nursing, we call it a care plan. Right, exactly. And you know what? You have to start somewhere. And that's what I tell you know everyone. Let's start somewhere and let's work at it. But we're going to change it. You know, as things aren't working, we'll change it. But you have to have that list. So that's one of the first things I do. After I meet with people and I listen to them and I get as much information as I can, we come up with that list. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a care plan. I call it like a roadmap. Whatever you want to call it, we'll call it. Right. And we, and we start going at it. And what ends up happening is we're all busy. 
And we're all overwhelmed. But when you have that one person who has that list for you and is pushing you through going, you know what? We got to get to the doctor. Right. You know, we got to do this. We're doing this. It, the whole experience is just changed. It's not so overwhelming. Right. And, you know, if you think about it with just the amount, sure amount of patients that go into a hospital or go into their doctor's office, there just is not time. And how many times have you had patients through the years where they leave your office and all of a sudden they thought of something? And how cool would that be if they could just, you know, email or call their advocate, leave a message, go, I forgot to tell you about this, because that could be that one piece of information that changes, you know, that roadmap yeah. that you established, all of a sudden you just did a U-turn and you're going this direction. That's what's so fun about medicine, right. folks. I mean, what we're doing is we're detectives all day long, right? Yeah. And, and Barb, that's exactly what happens is that a lot of times what's nice is they'll call me and tell me something. And I'm sort of that bridge too with their provider. So fortunately, physicians, PAs, NPs, they start trusting me. They right. give me their cell phone. Right. So it's like I can text them and say, FYI, they just told me this, you know, and it, it just cuts that out of having to like call an office and leave a message with somebody and hope that the doctor gets the message. Right. And so what happens is that just the care just expedites so much faster yeah. and it's just so much more accurate. And I know and, and I'm not I think EMRs are great tools. Right. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you. Just from my experience with my parents, discharge medications in the EMR, they're not accurate. Right. They are not accurate. And I remember vividly with my father that we went to a um, essentially, a, you know, a SNF, which is a skilled nursing facility for some rehab and stuff like that. And had they given him the medicines that were on that list, those are what caused him to go in the hospital mm -hmm. in the first place. And as a family member, not trying to like, jump across and, you know, use the healthcare provider <laughs> thing. You know, I had to actually refuse the medications to say, you're not going to give this to my right. father, right? So you think about that. We're healthcare professionals and we kind of know the questions to ask. Yeah, well, we know the questions to ask, or at least we're, we know who to ask, right? Mm -hmm. But all of these people out there that are like just totally clueless right. and you overhear it day after day after day, patient after patient, and they tell you about these experiences. Uh, it's just, it's just and, overwhelming. And honestly, like with the hospital too, when you, when they leave, they get this big package of yeah. discharge, which 40 you know, pages, right, right? 40 pages. And it's like, yeah, we're doing our job providing you education. They're not reading it. No, and they're not, even though it's at a fifth grade level, they still don't understand it. Right. You need somebody to go through that with you and go, do you just realize why you were in the hospital? And right now, the hospital is very quick pace. I mean, right. they're just keeping you for as long as they need to. There's and then pressure to get you out. There's pressure to get you out. And so, you know, with the electronic medical record, I will tell you as a healthcare provider, yes, I like it. But there's nothing like dialogue. Exactly. Let's, can we talk about it? Can we talk yeah. about it? Like, and how, yeah, how many exactly. times, Barb, like you read the EMR and you're like, well, this is going to be a train wreck. And then the person comes in, you're like, you don't look anything like what I just read right about you. On, on paper. Yeah. And vice versa. They could have nothing in their EMR and they come in and they have everything going on. So we still have to rely on like the old fashioned, like, you exactly. Know. Yeah. You know, it's where the old fashioned healthcare, like my dad practice and my grandfather practice, meets 
the yes. new techno age. Yes. Cool. We're going to have an app for everything. <laughs> You're just going to put your finger on there and we're going to know that you have, right. you know, cardiac you know, we're going to have a cardiac event in five yes. minutes, that kind of thing. Right. And and so it's exciting to see technologically where we're going. But how can we make sure that that dialogue continues? And that's exactly what you're doing is you're saying, let's talk about it. Let's and that's what I do. And the first thing I, I say it. is slow down. Like right. we all need to just slow down, deep breaths. Let's think about this and let's talk. Let's have a plan instead of just. And, you know, the physicians, they love it when you yeah. come to them. And you're engaged and you're like, hey, doc, we got a plan. And they're like, let's hear it. You right. know, and then guess what? They get excited and they're now into it and they're spending more time with me with you. And like I have so many physicians say to me, like at the end of the visit, they're like, Melissa, this was like a level 10, which if you know Billy, right, it goes right, exactly. like one to five. Right. And they're like, whoa. And honestly, we leave and Sure enough, my client had turned to me and say, I have never had an experience like that. And that's what we do as patient advocates. We are transforming right. that healthcare experience for all of us involved. And what's important is that when we talk about patient advocates, I want to emphasize these are healthcare professionals mm -hmm. that actually understand medicine, have lived medicine, and have a lot of us eat, sleep, drink it. It's, it's our passion. It's our life. Yes. It's not somebody on the street who says, I'm a health, you know, advocate who has no medical background. Right. Because then you can get yourself in a, a little bit of a trouble mm -hmm. there. If they don't have that experience, they're going to miss something. And that could be the difference between life and death, yeah. frankly, yeah. If, you know, in my opinion. And, and so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, we're able to, as, as this profession evolves, kind of make sure that the right people are are doing mm -hmm. the job. So, like, let's say, hey, just met you, and I'm like, that sounds like a cool profession. <laughs> like, how could I become one of you, Melissa? <laughs> so I'm this, you know, tw twenty year old kid who doesn't know. I'm like, how could I become a healthcare advocate? Tell me about yeah, it. Right. Well, I would say, okay, education. <laughs> yeah. Go to school. I mean, honestly, lots of education. If you want to work at this caliber and this level, you you really do need that medical knowledge, right, and also that experience. You know, I wrote this up about 17 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was only about five years, been a nurse for five years, and I wrote this up. And I remember even getting in front of my master's class, you know, and presenting. And they were like, you're going to do what? Somebody's going to pay you to do this. It was just even unrealistic. And, you know, I look back, if I would have done it 17 years ago, I wasn't the person I am today. Right. Like, I didn't have the professional experience. Right. I didn't have the life experiences. You know, the personal experiences we have that we go through personally right. with our family, it builds you up. Exactly. You know? So my key is, even with all nurses, healthcare professionals, education is key. You got to go out and, and get a good education. I do believe that there's a place for all of us to be an advocate. Right. You know, you're, you should be engaged in your own health care and be your own advocate and your family's advocate. But then there comes a, a certain time where, you know what, you need somebody more professionally. You know, I've told people like, would you go to court without an attorney? Like, right, exactly. Would you, you? You never would. No. Well, guess what? I don't think you should be going to the hospital and managing your own health care without a patient advocate. Right. And especially in those most difficult cases or rare diseases, especially, mm -hmm. or, you know, um, people that just really don't want to be involved in it. And I can imagine with so many people, and I saw this uh, 
you know, in the hospital with my mom is that a lot of people don't even have family to advocate for them. So if you're a family member, like what suggestions do you have for them to be able to advocate for their family? So get involved, know what's going on, you know, and but what happens if mom doesn't want to tell you because she's very private? <laughs> then call me. Because okay, <laughs> mom tells me. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. That is the majority of my clients are right. the children are trying to help their parents. Exactly. Okay. But that's not normal. For that parent, it's not normal that their child is has to care for them, so right. to say. And so what I tell people a lot of times is I try and keep you in your role. If you're the child, I keep you as the child. And, you know, the mother and we we have this in spouses, too. It can be Mm -hmm. it can be a a lot of stress on a spouse to take over to be the caregiver. Right. And so we can take some of that burden off. Right. You know, because it is hard sometimes when you're faced with doing the caregiving and making all those decisions. You know, it's nice to have somebody to bounce things off of. It's like, hey, Melissa, we went to the doctor. I need to make a decision. What do you think? Right. I never tell anybody what to do. We talk through it. Right. Tell me what you know. You know, if I don't know, I do some research, find out information, provide them with that information right. so they can make the best decision. And you know what? Things go so much better when you're confident. Like, you know what? I did the best I could with the information I had. So even if something goes wrong and it's not the ideal situation, you know that you were completely informed. Right. And that's the thing is that's what bothered me is so many times I knew that people really weren't informed. So then when things went bad, they blamed. Right. And then they had guilt. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, you know, did that procedure. I shouldn't have had that surgery, you know? And so a lot of times the outcome may not be different working with a patient advocate, but the experience is because you should, you should feel good about the decisions you're making and know you know what? I'm doing the best I can. And being informed. Being informed is key. And oh, that's so well said. And um, wow. It just, you know, I, I think down the road of kind of like my dream for your profession. If you could look in a crystal ball like 10 years <laughs> from now, what would you like to see in hospital environments and outpatient environments, like in SNFs? What would you like to see happen? I would like that everyone would have access to a professional health advocate, you know, who has a background of being a nurse, a PA, mm-hmm. a social worker, that it's built in the system, right? but that we can truly work independently for that patient, you know, and not be restrained by the system we're working in or the health insurance company or regulations. And that's, it's really hard because, you know, we've been confined to that. And and that's what we're used to. It's just and that's just what I'm used to. And I mean, like, you know, you mentioned before, like I would go into a room and I so bad wanted to tell somebody something, but I couldn't. Right. You mentioned hugging a patient. You don't you don't engage that closely with patients in the healthcare setting. You've got to be very professional and, you know, just do your job. And they need somebody who they trust that they can give a hug to because these this is the most vulnerable time. And that's what I kind of meant by that is like by the time you gain their trust that like patient comes in and goes, I just want to give you a hug today because I trust you mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate what you've been doing. And it means so much. It's like healthcare's become so I hate to use the word 
impersonal, but it's impersonal. And, so, and sometimes it could be like almost a sterile environment, which we know yeah. hospitals kind of are. Yeah, they're, they're getting nicer and nicer as they build the new ones. But it, you know what I'm saying? It's just right. that whole concept of dreading the idea of ever having to go to the hospital. It's like, I know when I see patients that I go, hey, you really have to go to the ER. And they're like, is there anything you can do for me to avoid? Mm -hmm. I'll do anything not to go to the ER. And like, mm -hmm. you really need to go. And then you tell them, these are the kinds of things you write the note to the doctor and you hope that the doctor, the MP, the PA will actually read your note and do something with it because you know the patient better than they do, right. you know? And that's the other thing. It's the fact that as their advocate and these relationships you're building with family, <laughs> you know the scoops. Exactly. And so with the emergency room, people always ask me, are you always available? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I say, well, not always, but I've had this happen frequently is mm -hmm. they go to the emergency room and what they do is they, they'll say, Hey doc, I got Melissa on the line. She's my patient advocate. You know, can you talk with her? And that's what I do is I say, Hey, here's what's going on, you know, and there's nothing like that conversation for that physician to go, thank you. This totally helps us. Now we know what direction to go. Right. You know, because the family and the my patient, they don't they don't know sometimes what to say and why they're even there at the emergency room. Right. And the key is that the patient actually engage the doctor in engaging you. Because right. I can tell you right now, if you just call from the outside and you say, I would like to talk to Dr. XYZ patients coming in, a lot of times they never get the message. Right. And oh, yeah. That is so frustrating because that's again the difference of delays in care and things like that and maybe not having to you know run certain tests unnecessary testing and that kind of thing and again i mean if we really want to get into the nuts and bolts of costs and business let's call it the business right. <laughs> um you actually could save a lot of money because, if you actually talked and that's i think the recurrent theme that you and i are talking about today is that just don't look at the computer look in the patient's eye engage them and eyes and say well hopefully eyes and say <laughs> How can I help you today? Right. Yeah. What's on your mind? What? Yeah. What's going on? Tell me more. What's going on? And, you know, what I found especially annoying is like you go in and it's just like they're staring at the computer. But I want to, you know, say something about that. There's so much pressure on providers to get their notes done. There's analytics. There's all sorts of mm -hmm. things that are now coming into play that make providers almost fearful of their jobs. So instead of being able to sit down, put the stethoscope down for a minute and just chat like you know my dad did and right. i try to do every day with my patients a lot of providers can't do that they're afraid that they're not going to meet their quotas they're afraid they're not going to get their work done they're afraid that somebody's going to come back and say did you know that your patient waited an extra 12 minutes for their appointment and you want to just say uh, because i had a conversation with another patient that probably is going to end up saving their cousin's life and that's the, the irony right. of it yeah is like all of a sudden something happens and they start talking about someone else and you go, oh, by the way, when you see your cousin, please do this, this, this. And that's what I love about what you do because you have a client, right? Mm -hmm. But but my gut is my sense and what you're saying to me is that you have one client, but it ends up being the whole tribe. Oh, yeah. The oh, whole, yeah. yeah. It's a whole. Yeah. And that's essential communication. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got all the family members. You might have a very close friend. You've got all the providers involved, which nowadays most people have multiple physicians. Right. And they might have, you know, a home health nurse and a physical therapist. And so it's just keeping everybody abreast of the situation mm -hmm. of, of what's going on because, you know, the hospital is one setting. 
but a lot of healthcare is happening in our community. And that's where right. I actually feel like we need to get back to is that putting onus on all of us that we manage our own health care. Exactly. We cannot rely on anybody else to do that for us. We need to manage it and we need to seek out the resources so we're not going to the emergency room in the hospital, right? <laughs> right. And again, what you're saying is advocate for yourself. Yes. And learning how to do that yeah. in a thoughtful manner and then it spreads like wildfire because you get a little bit more confident about that. Again, mm-hmm. I still think there's this disconnect of people just do not want to tell, like we've mentioned a couple of times already, the providers, the whole story. And just for fun, do you have like one story where you're like, basically you were going this direction and all of a sudden you took the 360 and you're like, wow, I'm sure glad they told me that. You know, well, yeah. And um, back to that other thing, Barb, though, mm-hmm. it's about judgment. Right. I hear that so much is that, you know what, Melissa, you're not non-judgmental. And exactly. I think they're concerned that if they tell somebody something, we're going to judge them. Right. And so a lot of that comes down to is we got to change that. We got to be like, you know what, I'll have a little empathy and saying, you know what, I've been there right there with you. You know, sometimes it's hard to do these things. Thank you for sharing with me, you know, that you've been doing this or not doing that. Right. I could give an example of recently what happened actually with a close friend of mine and her son. Okay. You know, she starts texting me. Actually, she called. So I knew there was something wrong Mm -hmm. because she never calls. Okay. (laughs) Right? Big flag. (laughs) Big flag. I'm like, she's calling. And I was with the client. So I had to like, you know, message. And she messaged me. Her son's in the emergency room. Okay. And they... We're going down a road of uh, possibly cancer or something else in the emergency room. Oh, boy. And he's about seven, eight years old. She's scared. Totally scared. And she's she's texting me pictures. What do you think? And and this and that. And it just so happened I had my colleague with me who's a PA. And we're just, we're just talking, telling her questions to ask. Here's some right. things to ask, you know, the providers. Well, it came down to it that they discharged him home. Okay. But they didn't know what it was. You Don't know? you deal with that? We just know at this point. And that's what ERs do. I mean, right. if it's not life-threatening, right. we're going to send you home mm-hmm. and good luck and I hope you figure it out. Well, the texting continued all weekend. Okay. <laughs> she keeps sending me pictures going, this is getting worse, but he seems okay. And what I did is I just kept asking questions. Right. Tell me more. Before this started, tell me more. And she pulled out a piece of information. She said, well, he did have the stomach flu. And I mm. said, wait a minute. Like, did you have the flu? Did everyone else have the flu? No. He just had this stomach thing. And I said, this is it. And, you the know, lights I, coming on. the lights the coming knowledge. on. And I said, okay, remember, I don't diagnose. But when you go to the pediatrician on Monday morning, I want you to tell them all this and ask, could it possibly be this? Right. So sure enough, she went to the pediatrician. And she told her story of, I went to the emergency, everything that happened. And then she just said, you know what, my friend, she's a nurse. You know, she she wanted me to ask. And she was like, you know what, I've never, I've read about that, but I've never seen it. Right. So she starts Googling. She goes, that's it. And she said, is she a pediatric nurse? She said, no. You know, it's like, but she does ask a lot of questions. There you <laughs> right? go. She asked me a lot of questions, but it was that one key thing of tell me more what happened before this. And it was just that clue that it was a virus, right? right. That set on this rash. 
Right. You know, that, you know, and it's not common. Right. Yeah. So that's just that sort of detective work. Yeah. And it's, and like what you described is timelines. Exactly. And people that uh, are in medicine, advocacy, that kind of thing. It's like you really, we've mentioned again, be that detective, be curious Mm -hmm. and understand that in medicine, it's an art and a practice. It's not exact science. Yes, of course, if I do a strip test and it's positive, hey, I got usually my answer. We're good to go. There could be other things going at the same time. So I always am thinking about that. But it's an art. And what's going on is that you are taking that art mm-hmm. and it's an art form. And through communication, you're able to give great experience you know, help with great experiences, help with great outcomes, help with saving money, help with, well, why wouldn't you want an advocate? And that's what I try to emphasize to patients. It's like, hey, I've been doing this for 22 years. I've seen a lot of stuff, but never, ever say never because I've seen it over and over again. And it's, and that's what keeps me going in practice. Cause a lot of people say like, you've been doing this for 22 years, primary care, la, 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 la. And I go, (laughs) what keeps me going is that case that walks in the door and I go, wait a second. And then jackpot. And mm-hmm. that's what's interesting, too, is that what I found in primary care, and I guess why I've stuck with it, is because a lot of times patients will go to all these different specialists, right? And they'll come back to me and they'll say, I've got a list and I grab the list. And then by, before you know you know it, you have your differential diagnosis and you're mm-hmm. like going, wait a second, did anyone ever check XYZ? And they go, no. And then you're like, hey, I think we might have it. I'm not sure. Right. But let me see. See if we do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're bringing the art back into medicine. And it's interesting. When I went to school, the first lecture we ever had was from an amazing guy who used to be a PA. His name is Barry Cassidy. If you're out there, Barry, hello. <laughs> he was a PA at the Mayo Clinic. And he said, we can learn more about someone's health by looking behind the eye. And he talked about all the different different differential diagnoses by looking at different, you know, anatomy behind the eye, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. But the other thing he said, and my father has always said that, is that by the time you're done with that conversation with a patient, you should be 90% sure of where you're going with that diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And the physical exam, the hands-on is more just to confirm your clinical suspicion, right? Yeah. So what you are doing is you're bringing back those pieces that unfortunately, because of time, technology and everything, are starting to become not there. Right. And and that's why I just love your idea of the fact that now when, when you talk about it, it's almost like we have case managers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the case managers will be telling you all the stuff and they're trying to get, you know, the person, you know, authorized the insurance to be transitioned into the rehab center and stuff like that. But they have no clue about what a diagnosis means. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed is the transitional pieces from A to B, uh uh-oh, B to C. And what I mean from that is from the hospital to the Rehab. rehab. The rehab to home, the home to home health. Right. And it just is crazy. And then there's this gal out there called Melissa Cardine. And her <laughs> company is called Bridges the, RN or Bridge the RN. Bridge RN yep. And so what does the Bridge RN mean? 
So exactly that, Barb. So this is where things start falling apart is when they're going from one level of care to another. Exactly. And everyone thinks that it was taken care of. Right. And it's not. And so like I get phone calls all the time, you know, mom's in and out of the hospital. And then exactly what you said, I go meet with them. I just know right away what's going on. I can feel it. And I'm like, you know what? This is what needs to happen. And a lot of times it is that sort of case management kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, they're taking dial-a-ride. You know, they need dial-a-ride to dialysis. Nobody set it up because the hospital thinks that the home health is going to set it up or the dialysis center is going to set it up or this is going to set it up. And they're just not going because they're confused now. Who's doing what? So sometimes there's too many people involved. And so a lot of times I just come, you know, involved and say, you know what? Get that one person. Hey, we need to we need to take care of this. So a lot of it is, you know, stuff that isn't, so to say, medical. Right. But it can make or break your experience. Right. Exactly. (laughs) If you don't have transportation to your appointments or the nutrition you need and we have malnourishment. You know, we could talk about mental health probably for a whole nother hour, but that's a whole nother part of our healthcare system that is very fragmented and siloed. And it's very hard for our practitioners too to find the mental health services for their patients. And, you know, I probably deal with this, you know, frequently and I have, I have lists, you know, and still to get people into appointments, they're waiting, you know, and so I can imagine, you know, a physician, they don't have the time to be calling around and seeing, does this provider take this insurance with this diagnosis? Right. Can you manage this? You know, and so what ends up happening is that person never gets the the mental health that they need right. for to get better. And if we don't address their mental health, everything else is not going to get better. Exactly. It's yeah. very, very well said. And so we came up with uh, a lot of issues in the healthcare system. Yes. But at the same time, I'm really thrilled because there is hope for a lot of solutions. There is. Yes. And it's simple things like you said, transportation. I ran into that with my parents. Mm-hmm. Every single thing that you are talking about is things that we dealt with with my parents. And what I like is that what happens is you get relationships with providers in the community. So when Melissa calls on the phone to Dr. <laughs> X, who's a uh, cardiothoracic surgeon, they're probably going to see your patient a little bit sooner just because of that relationship, because they know what you're saying is serious. Whereas, you know, you right. get John Doe calling for Jane Smith and yeah, you know, has high blood pressure, but needs to see a cardiothoracic surgery. And the medical assistant says, well, I can wait for six weeks. Right. right. And it may not be something that can wait for six weeks, <laughs> right. but that's how the interpretation is. And so, you know, as an advocate, you know, look at all the different things that you, your services offer patients. And it's, it's just so huge. It is. And it's very customized, you know, I mean, really, it's like we're transforming the healthcare experience, which could look different. I mean, somebody just told me, you know, all of your clients are unique and different. There's right. There's not two of the same. Right. And I said, exactly. But when you work in the healthcare system, we treat by diagnosis. Right. So we try and treat all congestive heart failure the same, all hypertension the same. You can't. No. We've got to get back to looking at individuals and creating care plans that are right. for that person. 
you know, and now it's like care planning. We do it great in the hospital, right? Right. But we don't have that in our community. No. And that's what I'm bringing. And I, I'm proud to be a nurse, you know, and that's what nurses do. We're good at that kind of stuff. We right. know how to come up with a plan and execute it, communicate it, you know, evaluate it. Right. And that's what's nice is when you partner with, you know, um, PAs, you know, and people like it gets goes into another conversation with the nursing model versus the medical model, yes. right? And so when we're trained, we look at problems a little bit different than nurses do. Mm-hmm. But when you put them both together, this brain and that brain, they all come together. <laughs> it's like a whole different dynamic. Oh, yeah. And it's huge. And again, it's all about going back to communication. Yeah. It's dialoguing together. Yeah. If you and I are working together, we're going back and forth because our ultimate goal is to help that person. Right. We are both trying to better understand what's going on so we can help them, right? Because right. we, we care. And I think, you know, a lot of patients don't see that sometimes that because we are busy as providers, right? right? But ultimately, anybody who really got in this profession got in it because you do want to help people. Right. We do care, you right. know? And so... I love it. I mean, one of my favorite things to do is to talk with other healthcare professionals right. on cases, you know. And that's what we we like to do, especially if we have time. But unfortunately, for so many people these days, they just don't have the time. And right. that's what's so sad about that. So how do people actually reach you? How do people find you? You can call me. <laughs> okay. um, my, Where else? Yeah. My, my website Um those are the main two ways, you know, to, mm-hmm. to get a hold of us, send an email. All right. Um, and that's what I always do is just encourage to either email, you know, or call. Right. And, and I'll talk with you, you right. know, and we'll go through things. And like I said, you know, the majority of the time you're going to walk away and go, wow, that like that really helped, you know. And like, let's say, are there other advocates around the country that you know of? There do you, are. Do you have a network of people? There like, are. let's say you're in uh, Houston or you're in Kansas City yes. right now. You're listening. Not everybody can call Melissa's office. No, yeah. So but, there. Are, so I would recommend if you're in another area, one, you could call me and I can help you, you know, find somebody in that area. But um, honestly, Google, you know, Google patient advocate, health advocate, RN patient advocate um, in your area. And there are other you know, nurse patient advocates all across the United States. I'm hoping to grow that. I mean, that's really what I want to do is um, network with other advocates. There needs to be more of us out there doing this in all markets. Right, exactly. And then what happens if you're somebody who's out in the middle of nowhere and you just need to find an advocate? Is there... You know, my my envision with, you know, with where medicine has gone is like there's a lot of telemed going on. Mm-hmm. And so you can call teledoc after hours, that kind of thing. A vision. Could you could you imagine like if you were in the middle of nowhere and you could actually have a video conference? Like, do oh. you does your we already do that? Okay. I mean, honestly, a lot of the stuff we do is remote. OK. You know, it's via the phone, text. You know, FaceTime, you got to show me something. Right. So um, I've worked with people in rural communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have um, our RN license. We are compact states, so we can work in other. Right. Um, so I've had people in other states me. that have heard about me, <laughs> especially with mental health. You know, right. it's a very difficult. And they've reached out to me and we've done it all remotely. I can get on the phone like when they're at a physician's office if they need me to be. 
you know, and I can listen in. And you know what? The doctor's all the time like, oh, hi. Hi, Melissa. Nice to have you on the phone, you know. And at the end, Melissa, you have any questions? You know, nice. So it just works. So remote health is where we're going. Telehealth is where we're going. So we already do that now. So if you don't live in this area, that's why I always encourage somebody to call and we can see, you know, can I help you if you're, yeah, out in the boondocks, you know. Some of my clients are snowbirds, right, for Arizona. Exactly. So they spend half the year somewhere else. and Go back to Wisconsin. I, I continue to be their advocate the whole time. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Do you have any really final thoughts for us? If you could summarize what you do and just final thoughts you'd like to leave with our uh, audience. You know, um, this gives me hope, honestly, being here today with you, Barb. I mean, it's an honor. I've been following you. And everything that you do, you know, I reached out to you and I, I knew I wanted to meet you. And it was like Soul Sisters. It Vice was versa. like, absolutely. I mean, it was like you were one of the first people who I'm like, you know what? She's in the trenches with me and I have hope. I so really do, I. do. And I felt the same way about you is like there is somebody out there doing it. Mm-hmm. And I just have amazing dreams about what can be accomplished in this field Hope for patience. Never give up. Never, ever, ever give up. I tell people, if we can't find the answers for you, we'll find someone else who can. And we'll continue to exhaust every possibility till we hit jackpot. And no, don't ever come into my office. And I know you probably feel so, I think I'm crazy about ABC. No, you're not crazy. Tell us about ABC. Yes. What a pleasure to get to hang out with you today. Ditto. (laughs) I'm looking forward to hanging out with you again. And... Well, I guess we ought to wrap up this uh, segment. I need to give a quick shout out to Marie Burns. I want to tell you, uh, she was on our show last uh, time and Marie is an amazing person and she has books out there about, you know, uh, preparing for, you know, those end of life issues. And then after someone passes and we're able to use her information in the last week. Thank you so much, Marie Burns. You're a rock star. There's so many people that have had such an influence in my life. And it was so neat to meet her and also Karen Nowicki. Bravo to you for bringing all of us together and Phoenix Business Radio Acts. Love it, love it, love it. So honored to be here. Remember, everybody, it's about your health and it's your business. Best Health Radio is sponsored by Ask the PA, and that is Barb Regis. And um, again, if you uh, want to learn more about my history, check out my book, Surviving the Business of Healthcare. Knowledge is Power, and it's available on Amazon and Kindle and audio version coming. And I can't wait until our next episode. Until then, have a great evening, and thanks again for listening. Bye. Bye.